We're starting a new series called Regift, and uh, we're going to be talking about four gifts that God has given us that He encourages us to regift. Okay, and so uh, before we do that, we're going to have the McDonald's come up and light our first candle of Advent. This morning we're talking about hope. I don't know if you've ever gotten a gift that you've regifted. I won't ask you to to, to uh, show of hands. My sister one time got a wedding gift. And when she opened it, the card was inside the wedding gift, and it was a card to another couple, uh, a couple that had just gotten married and had attended her wedding. So they, I guess they knew what was inside, and they uh, never even unwrapped it, or they, ra- they unwrapped it, looked, and just left it, but the card was in there. And so we talk about this idea of re-gifting, and, and I guess there's some, you know, if you read different people's opinions, some people like to re-gift, some people uh, don't like to re-gift, but I mean, sometimes it's not so bad if you get married and you get four spatulas, you're not... You just can't possibly use four spatulas. So, you know, if they're nice, you, maybe you give somebody else one of your spatulas, right? It's not that big of a deal. I want to talk this morning about this idea of hope that God has given us. This gift of hope. And what, what we're going to be talking about in this Advent season are these four things that come uniquely in Christ. Each one of these candles represents one of those things. And this is hope and one of them is peace. One of them's joy and one of them's love. And then this, this, this uh, candle in the center represents Christ. And so when we light that, it's essentially a representation that Christ, uh, all these things are fulfilled in Christ. And this morning, I want to talk about uh, hope. And before I do that, I'd like us to read a prayer together to kind of just uh, get us thinking about this a, a little bit. We're going we're gonna to try this. We're going to read this together. Okay, you're going to just follow me. Here we go. God... As we look to the birth of Jesus, grant that the light of your love for us will help us to become lights in the lives of those around us. Prepare our hearts for the joy and gladness of your coming. For Jesus is our hope. Amen. We, uh, we hope for a lot of things. I don't know if you ever used that phrase. I hope for some kids for Christmas, hope for a pony. You might be hoping for a raise. Uh, you hope you don't get pregnant. You hope for this. You hope for that. You get all these things. But if you think about it, hope doesn't do you any good. Really. I mean, when you think about it, man, I hope, you know, Uncle Psycho doesn't show up to the Christmas party. Right? You know, if I really hope that that crazy uncle doesn't show up, maybe he won't show up. It doesn't do any good. Hoping for something doesn't really help, does it? It doesn't really help change the circumstance. I can hope all day for a healthy marriage. But if I'm not doing anything about it, it's probably not going to be that healthy of a marriage. I can hope for all kinds of stuff. I can hope for that promotion. I can hope that the Lakers win another series. But me hoping at the final second when Kobe does this fadeaway three-pointer and right before it gets off his fingertips, I go, hope. You know, and it goes in. Hope doesn't do any good, really. 
And yet there's something about hope that if we just have it, it kind of makes it better. I mean, you know, things are bad financially, but Christmas is coming and you hope for that Christmas bonus. And even though it doesn't change anything, just the matter that you're kind of hoping for it relieves some of the pressure. I want to kind of give you an idea of the kind of place the people of Israel were at when Jesus came. They were at a place where they needed hope. That, that area that Jesus came to in Palestine was poor and oppressed. A, a poverty that we don't typically see in the United States and an oppression we definitely don't see in the United States. There was no hope. And 700 years prior, this makes it even worse, there was some prophecies about a Messiah that was going to come 700 years prior to Jesus coming. And so for 700 years, all they had was this hope. And they went through these periods of turning to God and everything being fine and then being taken into captivity and things not being fine. And this kind of endless cycle where things were okay and then they needed hope. This is where these people were when Jesus showed up. And then all of a sudden there was a star and some wise men came. We know this whole thing. And there was a glimmer, we call it a glimmer of hope. And Jesus was born. And then we don't hear anything for like 30 years. I mean, there was one time when Jesus, you know, pulled a Jesse, that's my son's name, and like stayed in the temple when everyone else left. And then they came back and he's like, what are you talking about? I was in the temple. Where'd you think I was going to be? I can so relate to that story. I mean, I just can't tell you. And so, you know, there's that story, but then otherwise it's all quiet. As a matter of fact, when this glimmer of hope comes and, and, and Jesus is born in this just kind of humble uh, um, setting, two years later, they kill all the boys to and under. It gets even worse. I don't know if, you're, if you've ever been in that situation where things are just not going very well and you just want some hope and then things get worse. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced that financially or maybe in a relationship or, you know, we, we hope or, or, or maybe you've hoped for something and when it came, it, it wasn't, it didn't do what you thought. Like, you know, you, I don't know, you're single and you're like, oh man, I just, if I could just, I just want a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And then finally you get that boyfriend or girlfriend. You're like, oh, they're so great. I just want to get married. And then you get married and it's like, oh, I, I just want them to pick up after themselves or whatever. Yeah, but whatever the progression is, it's like, it's like. When something happens, or, or if you've experienced this, I've experienced this in my own life. When Lisa and I first got married, we had not a, I didn't have a penny to my name. I had a job, and I just, I made $24,000 a year. And, and, and I just, I knew, if I could just make $26,000 a year, I could see it on paper. Everything would be fine. 26000 who in their right mind needs more than $26,000 a year? Then I, I made $26,000 a year. I'm like, you know what? Really, 20, 
nine five would just be like third then you're into the 30s i mean that's just opulence you don't need that kind of thing. but you know i don't know if you've ever experienced that but you go 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 it never never ever 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 satisfied satisfies being wealthy is relative people who make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year wish they made 175 that would make everything fine and you go, man, if I made 175, it doesn't matter. There, there's a sense that, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but you, you just want it, want it, want it, and you get it, and you go, ah. I, I want to read kind of what Jesus did when he came that we can look forward to as we kind of get into this Christmas season. There's a, there's a section in Matthew chapter 12. We're only going to stay on this for a second, then we're going to move on. And it's talking about how Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. It says in verse 15, many followed him and he healed the sick. And and it talks about that this is the servant, the chosen one, the one that I love and whom I delight. I'm going to put my spirit on him. It's going to, it's going to rest on him and he's going to proclaim justice to the nations. He says he's not going to quarrel or cry out and a a, a bruised reed he's not going to break and a smoldering wick he's not going to snuff out. I mean, this is, this is what's going on. And then in Matthew chapter 12, verse 21, it says this, in his name, the nations will put their hope. And all of a sudden, we start to get this idea that maybe hope is something completely different than we thought it was. Maybe hoping for something is not really what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. Oftentimes, we look at our lives. Oftentimes, I look at my life, and I I hope for something. Here's what I want you to put on your bulletin. And this is what we're going to discuss this morning. Not your bulletin, but your notes it's not what you're hoping for that's not the most important thing it's not what you're hoping for it's who you're hoping in who you're hoping in makes all the difference in the world let me let me give you an example and this is not a political statement this isn't a political sermon i'm not even a political guy but barack obama ran on this whole idea of hope and change Hope and change. If you just have more hope and you have more change, everything's going to be fine. The problem is, for all of us, that's relative, right? I look at the things I'm hoping for. Well, I just want to be left alone. Great. Yes, I, I'll take some of that hope. You know, change. I just, I'd like to make more money. Oh, yeah, change. But here's the thing. If Obama or George Bush, whoever's running for office, stood up and said, put your hope in Congress, he'd go... I don't think I'm going to be voting for that guy. But that's essentially what he's saying, right? Put your hope in me and in Congress and everything's going to be okay. And we look and we go, there is no way I'm trusting you. See, we can hope for something to happen, but sooner or later, we're going to have to hope in someone. And that hope, the ultimate hope is found in Jesus Christ. That is it. And we're going to explore that a little bit. Let me show you uh, what 1 Peter says in chapter 1, verse 3. Kind of give us this idea. It says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. If you have a Bible, you might want to underline that living hope. It's not underlined on mine. Oh, you're not there, are you? First Peter, there you go. Thanks, sorry about that. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me give you exactly what's happening here. What, what Peter's saying in this chapter is this. Listen, guys. There's a hope that tra- completely transcends what you're hoping for. For once, you're going to be able to hope in somebody. When Christ was risen from the dead, he conquered sin and death. So what you're going through almost doesn't matter when you put your trust in Christ. It doesn't matter at all. Watch, it says this in, um, well, Job says in chapter 13, it's not up on a thing, but he says, though he slay me, still I will hope in him. As a matter of fact, when you look to, I, This is a little challenge for this week. Look through your Bible and see where in the Bible it talks about the people hoping for something to happen. Look where Paul is saying, man, I really hope this. There's no place. In Job, there's a few places, but he's got boils all over his body and and all his kids died and he lost everything. And the conclusion he comes to is, I can hope for this stuff all day long, but unless it's God who's sustaining me, unless it's God that I'm putting my trust in, It doesn't do me any good. All of scripture points to hoping in someone. And and what Jesus, when Jesus came, what he did was, there's this story throughout scripture, throughout history of God, our heavenly father, moving. This omniscient, all-powerful God who loves us. And says, I want to have a relationship with you, but your sin is stopping me from doing that. And when Jesus comes, he pays the price for that sin. And so now, because we hope in him, it doesn't matter what our financial state is. It doesn't matter what position we're in. Jeremiah says it this way in chapter 14, verse 22. Do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? No, it is you, O Lord, our God. Therefore, our hope is in you. For you are the one who does all this. If if we were to write this in an American version, we'd say, does money bring happiness? Does sex, is that really all we should be going for? Is power really where it's at? Are things really, I mean, these are the gods of our, of, our, of our society right now. Sex, money, power, uh, uh, um, popularity, good looks. Does any of that work? I mean, listen, look around. Does any of it really work? We all know the raise is really not gonna help us all that much. It might bring temporary relief. But ultimately, it's not going to work. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. He said, do these worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? And then in Isaiah, we get this real idea of hope that kind of transcends everything. It's, it's really awesome. Basically, it says in Isaiah 40, it's a famous section of scripture. And, and I'm going to read the first part. And then we'll show the second part up uh, on, the, on the screen behind us. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Now, listen to what he's saying. Oftentimes I try to read the scriptures for what's not there. None of this says our situation's going to change. It just says you'll get strength to get through it. 
He increases the power of the weak. Even though youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. In other words, even when you see a person who's got it all, who's got all the strength, they are top notch, they're gonna fail in their own strength. You cannot do it on your own is what the scriptures say. Now watch, this is so awesome. It goes on and says, but those who hope in the Lord, or if you have a New American Standard Version or King J- New King James or Revised Standard, it says those who wait. It's the same thing. You can't have hope without waiting. <laughs> if it's happened, you're not hoping for it to happen, right? You're waiting. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It doesn't mean their circumstances are going to change. It means that God at the right time is going to come in and give you the strength you need if you hope in him, if you trust in him, if he's your source. If not, it doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter if you're rich. You are going to faint. You're not going to make it. You're going to stumble and fall. That's what this is saying. Now listen, this is what's so awesome. It doesn't say those who gain so much knowledge about God that they're really mature, that they're going to gain the strength, that they're going to soar with wings as eagles. It doesn't say those who uh, have sacrificed it all for God, they're going to be the one. It's just hope. God, I can't do it. Matthew calls it being poor in spirit, coming to him and saying, I got nothing to get through this. But those who hope in the Lord, that's all it takes is an understanding that more money, more presence, more time, more looks, more square footage, more leg room, None of it is going to satisfy. You're going to stumble and fall. You're going to get weary. It's not going to make any difference. But those who hope in the Lord, those who say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I know you are sovereign and are in control. They will gain new strength. They will rise up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. Let me, let me, let me show you what this looks like in my own life. Uh, so um, Lisa and I have a son, Jesse, who has epilepsy. And we found out two and a half years ago that he had epilepsy. And when we went to the doctor, when I went to the, brought him to the doctor because he was acting weird. Well, he's always acting weird, but this was different. Um, uh, they told us, and so I'm just like, well, they have medication for that. I mean, I, I'm sure. It's been around forever, right? They got medication for that. And he starts telling me the process. Well, a third of people this and this, this, and statistically and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I had hoped that the medication would take care of the problem. And so we went through the first medication and that didn't work. And the second medication didn't work. And we were really hoping for that third medication. And I put all my hope in that fourth medication. That didn't work. And then we're really hoping that that fifth medication would do something. And now we're on medication six. And nothing's, nothing's worked. And we, we hoped doctor number one would get it, and he didn't get it. We really hoped doctor number two would get it, and doctor number two hasn't gotten it. And then we hoped that we could change his diet, and that would, that would take care of the seizures. And then we hoped we could take away video games, and that would take care of the seizures. And we hope and hope and on and on and on, and it doesn't do any good. Nothing helps. He still has seizures. 
And so you have this process of two and a half years of, of this next hope and this next thing. And then someone calling up and going, hey, watch 2020. They got this thing on epilepsy. And it's like the data is like 10. I mean, continue to call us with that, that information. It's helpful. But I mean, when you're in it, you, you tend to, be, to understand kind of the enormity of the disease. So about six weeks ago, uh, Lisa, what, what ends up happening is he has his seizures in the middle of the night. And so we wake up and then we usually don't go back to sleep. And, and, and what's weird is that they happen usually the Sunday morning that I'm preaching. And, and, and so, uh, we were real excited, as excited as you can be, that he had a seizure Saturday night because he doesn't get them two nights in a row. Um, he had a Saturday night, or, or, or I guess Saturday morning at four in the morning, because then we'd be good for this morning until 3.30 this morning when he had another seizure. And so we're up and we go, what, what is going on? Six weeks ago, check this out, six weeks ago, Lisa wakes up in the middle of the night can't go back to trying to go back to sleep and God speaks to her and says if I were walking by would you wake up to be with me and she says yes I would have been like you know right she says yes she wakes up she opens her word and if God wakes you up in the middle of the night that's the best place to go is to his word and she's like I don't I don't know where to go and God tells her the book of Matthew and so she finds the book of Matthew and uh, she says, you know, the book of Matthew's got 28 chapters in it. What, no, I don't know what chapter to go to. Now, now check, check this out. She goes to the book of Matthew. She goes to, uh, God tells her to go to chapter 17. So she goes to chapter 17. She has nowhere to start reading. So she starts here. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I put up with you? It's not very encouraging, is, is that? I, don't, I would have gone back to bed at that point. <laughs> How long shall I stay up with you, stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. She says, the boy, what is that? She goes back and she reads, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on me, he said, on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. I'm, brought him to your disciples but they could not heal him well that now that that's hope so lisa begins to pray okay god we're taking it by the horns now we're going to start praying in faith now you have to understand we've been through this already We've had people lay hands on him. We've had him anointed with oil. Because it was happening on Sunday mornings, I rebuked the devil. I rebuked demons. I, I did everything in the Bible you could possibly think of to do. I had the elders pray. I had, I've had, I, we've done everything. And all of a sudden, God comes in this unique way to Lisa and, and just gives this hope. Now, check this out. His seizures increase. Now, what in the world is that all about? And, and so we begin to like go, what, like, what, should we be trying harder? Should we be, I mean, what, what is going on? Here's the thing that we've discovered in these last six weeks that's so hard. 
we don't hope for his healing. We hope in Christ Jesus in the midst of the seizure. See, I can hope all day that I'm going to have a son that's fully restored, and I do. And we pray for it, and we do whatever we can. But it does me no good unless in the midst of it, I'm hoping in Christ. He's the only source that's going to help us through this. Because when the seizures are over, fantastic. It's going to be something else. Let me show you what happens in Romans. This is such an important section of Scripture. Therefore, Romans 5.1, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what this is saying. What Paul is saying is, this is the initial faith in Jesus Christ that brings salvation. See, none of this makes any sense if we're just going to go off and do it on our own. There has to be a turning from myself. Jesus calls it a laying down my life. And this is what makes the Christian faith so hard. We, we don't just raise our hand and say, oh, I believe Jesus and go off and we're saved. There's a sense of going, I'm giving up my life for you. You gave up your life for me and my sin. It's a debt I could never repay. I give up my life for you. So therefore, since we've been justified through this coming to Christ and saying, I can't do it on my own. Okay. We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into his grace, which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's this sense of when we come to Christ and we say, I, I, I can't go on like this anymore. I don't want to hope for the raise. I don't want to hope for a new spouse. I don't want to hope. I want my hope in something that will stand. I want my hope in Christ Jesus. When we do that, we stand in that grace. And God says, there's nothing you've done on your own. Christ paid that price. Now, if the verse, if it, it ended there, we'd sing hallelujah and we'd move on. But it doesn't end there. It, it goes on into kind of a really difficult section of scripture if we really want to, if we really want to study it. It doesn't just end with, yay, I'm saved and I stand in the rejoicing in the glory of God. My life has been fantastic now. It goes on and it says this, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. <laughs> See, here is the difference of trusting for something and trusting in something. The sufferings are coming if they haven't come already. The difficulty's coming if it hasn't come already. There is nothing about following Jesus that stops suffering. Jesus said it himself. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. That was Jesus. Red letters in the Bible. Was Jesus lying? Well, they're not really going to have tribulation. I just like making them feel a little uncomfortable. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. With me, you don't have any tribulation. No, be of good cheer. I've overcome that world. That world should mean less to you. Now watch. But not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. 
Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. This hope has to be in Christ Jesus. You know what's happened to our hope since God spoke to Lisa? It's turned to faith. Our hope is turned to faith. Now, I don't know what he's going to do. I have no clue. I've Really, to be honest, I've never known what he's doing. I just hang on for dear life. I, I, you know, you, 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 I love, I can't tell you how much I love being your pastor. I, it is it is a thrill to me. Lisa and I are so thrilled to be in full-time ministry. I just can't even tell you how excited I am. I love you, and I love this church, but I am holding on for dear life. I don't know what he's doing. I have no clue. I just get on my knees like, oh, God, tell me what to say. Tell me what to do, and he does it. I'm like, okay, and I just leave the results up to him. I, I joke with people. I say, God's in accounting. I'm in marketing. He's, I just do what he tells me to do. He figures out all the accounting stuff. See, our hope that Jesse will be healed has turned to faith in the living God. So, yeah, it's just, it's just in the difficulty of it all. That's where Christ is. He's right there. Listen, I don't know what you're going through. And believe me, when you start reading about kids with epilepsy, Lisa and I have it easy. Some of these parents, it's just heart-wrenching what they have to go through. Lisa and I have it easy. Some of you are going through financial situation right now where it's just like, I, I need, some, something's got to change. Some of you are going through a sense of loss of a loved one. And that, that, that aching just doesn't leave. And you're going, I, I need something to happen. Some of you are going through marital issues. Some of you are going through addictions. Some of you are going through pain that just won't go away. And you're going, I need something. Listen, I can't tell you that Jesus is going to take it away. But I can tell you that he's everything you need through the process. That this gift of hope is not that someday, by and by, you're going to be a millionaire or that disease is going to go away or any of that. I can tell you that in the midst of it, in the hardest part, when the bill comes, when she packs her bags and all that, Jesus is enough for you. He can do it. It's a living hope that is completely independent from circumstances. 